0: Hey there, how you doing? My name is Gareth Emery and welcome to Electric for Life. Bit of a different episode um, today. It's all going to be chat about my new album, A Hundred Reasons to Live. I'm going to be playing you a little sample of each track, um, but for full disclosure, um, it's going to be more talk than music today. So if you are interested in hearing a bit more about the album, I think you're going to get a lot out of today's episodes. But if you're about to start your workout um, and you're looking for some energy, I would instead listen to last week's episode instead. Um, So with that disclaimer out of the way, I am here with A co host um, for the first time in EFL history, I think, um, by the name of Roxanne Emery. And just to introduce her, um, just to introduce Roxanne for those of you that don't know her, um, she co wrote three of the tracks on the new album, helped discover a lot of the featured vocalists, and as a member of my management team, worked extremely hard on the release of the album. And uh, to answer a very frequent question, yes, she is also my sister. How are you doing?
1: Very good. I'm glad you've cleared that up. A lot of comments on social media asking if I'm your wife. She always freaks me out. So, yeah, it's sister.
0: I always find that amazing because there's so much of Kat, who is my actual wife, on (laughs) Instagram and Snapchat and social. So, like, I I don't know how you could follow me and not know who was the wife and who was the sister. Maybe they think DJ Superstar 2 wives wouldn't be out of the question. It is is allowed in some religions, let's unlock it.
1: I'm not knocking (laughs) it. I haven't yet tried it, so uh, we'll find out. Well, anyway, look, the first most important
0: question, where is my pizza that I've been promised? Yeah, so just to let you guys know where we are, so (laughs) it's coming up to nine o'clock on a sunday night um, we're in a studio in manchester uk recording this podcast for you guys um, everybody's pretty knackered but that is how much we wanted to do it so to make um things a bit easier we've got beers we've got full fat coke and we've got a pizza on the way which is a little bit late so i'm hopefully it's going to turn up soon i
1: love it and we've got full fat coke we're going really fucking wild diet, here I'm guys we've no- got sugar
0: I'm normally all about the diet coke um all right so what are we doing
1: just let me get my beer hold on one sec <laughs> <laughs> sensible drinking kids always okay let's get right in so we did a shout out today on all of your social networks (coughs) um it's gareth emery everywhere if you're not following him go and do it um so we're going to start off with a question from nathan uh i love when we were young what was the story and the inspiration behind that song
0: um, it's probably a better question for you because you wrote the the lyrics. Really, I mean, the, the way the song happened, I'd done it as a demo, which was originally titled Super Melodic, oh, yeah. um, because it was probably the most melodic thing I'd written for ages. And um, it was one of the actually one of the first demos written for the album, probably two and a half years ago. I sent it over to Roxanne. She wrote the um, the lyrics and the vocal melody with a super talented guy called Joe Lawrence, who wrote a bunch of the other tracks on the album as well. Um, you can tell me about the lyrics because I didn't. I didn't write them
1: Well I remember Going through This must have been Two years ago now A Dropbox Of about 50 demos That you'd sent For this album I was just sat On my computer Headphones on And you know There was some Great stuff in there I still remember Some of the demos But I remember This one came on It was probably 11 o'clock at night I was falling asleep And I was literally Like fucking hell That riff Was mind blowing I don't think you realise quite it's kind of how good you'd kind of hit on with that.
0: But especially, it's one of the, We Were Young is one of those ones that I heard it so much during the production process and it was a difficult track to produce. And even now, I've kind of not got back that love I felt when I first wrote it because I've heard it thousands of times. So it's probably one of those ones in like two years, I'll listen well, to it and I'll be like, it. yeah,
1: that was all right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I listened to it and then I basically begged to write the top line for it. Um, as Gaz said, went in with went in with Joe to do that um, and actually when we voted we really wanted to do something th- that was nostalgic that made people think of the past it, exactly we were young um, but but make it something that was happy and inspiring and yeah something to make people feel good um, and I think the most fantastic thing about that song is then it went on to have Alex and Sierra on who were the X Factor USA winners I don't know if a lot of your fan base will know that but super lucky to have them just well that
0: that actually came from Kat I mean what happened was that's his wife by the way my wife Yeah. (laughs) I was I was kinda showing Kat who was on the list for the album and I was kind of expecting her to be impressed, and she kind of looked over the list and goes, is that it? Oh, um, shit. I was like, well, yeah, it's like a normal people we work with, you know, and no disrespect to anybody else. No, of course, not. Like, yeah, she didn't seem that Sorry, excited. Sorry, Ben
1: Gold. Sorry, Christina.
0: <laughs> and I was like, well, who, who else should I have? And she goes, well, like, why don't you get somebody you've not worked with before? And I was like, like who? And she goes, well, what about Alex and Sierra? She goes, they just won the US X Factor, and I love them. So I was like, all right. And I went and listened to them, and um, I... Sorry, guys, but I've never heard of Alex and Sierra before. For this moment, and um, I listened to um, I think what well, their first single had been. And I was like, "Wow!" Oh,
1: was it "Say Something"? They're like winners. That was that what they kind of won the X Factor. Right? Like, yeah. Mind yeah. blowing. If you like acoustic music, go and check it out. With "Say it. Something."
0: Listen no. to it. Voices were like fucking amazing. And uh, I think I said to you, "Hey, Alex and Sierra," and it was really easy. You sent them the song with you. You were singing the vocal as a demo. They immediately loved it. I couldn't even sing the high notes. I remember <laughs> being in the
1: studio with Joe,
0: like screaming, and I was like. Joe, did this
1: sound all right? And his answer was, no, but I've got a lot of auto tune. So thank you, Alex and Sierra,
0: because yeah. <laughs> so I was I was going to start with the first track on the album, but because we're talking about we were young, I'm just going to play that. So, oh, I could have um, organised that better. Sorry. But yeah, sorry. Right. We'll, we'll get back. We'll get back shuffle on shuffle mode <laughs> engaged. Shuffle <laughs> mode. <laughs> all right. So this is Electric for Life. We're on shuffle mode today, <laughs> and uh, this is the first track for my new album, 100 Reasons to Live. Um, me featuring Alex and Sierra. We were young.
2: Track back home that we used to know.
0: So that was Alex and Sierra on We Were Young. And do remember, you can buy the album on iTunes. Uh, Just search Gareth Emery, you'll find it. It's called 100 Reasons to Live. It's also on Spotify, YouTube, all the usual places. Um, Right, next question.
1: Next question. Okay, Chris Jones, any remix teasers or can you tell us anything about the remixes that you've got at the moment?
0: Oh, there's so many amazing remixes. I mean, we've kind of got ahead of the game Um, with this album so with Drive we released the album and the album came out and then we were like shit we need some remixes so it tended to happen very very late whereas with this album we kind of started getting remixes like what like six months ago yeah so my favourite one right now and I'm sure there's going to be people who are pissed off for me for announcing this, but there's an amazing Luke Chable remix, a guy who I play a lot on Electric for Life. You're really of, not supposed um, to sorry. be telling people that. <laughs> you, can, well, you, edit, oh. you can always edit it out, um, of Cloudline. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's simply... The, That's the, like the Eric Pridzy type one, right, I, I think? It's a bit Prizzy. I think, for me, it's like classic Luke Chable. Like oh, okay. Like his, his better than Prince. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like Prince is amazing. But, no, <laughs> Luke Chable remix of Cloudline is incredible. And also... Um, Craig Connolly's remix of Far From Home is insanely... It good. is.
1: You played that ASOC, like, I think? The, and U-Track, There's yeah. actually been a lot of people online that I've seen asking um, about that remix, asking who it is, when it's coming out. So yeah, Craig Connolly, keep well, an eye on that one.
0: I kind of felt bad because that was the first time I ever played Far From Home. I'd never played the original out. So then... I played it at Utrecht and everyone was going, wow, Far From Home's amazing. And I was thinking, yeah, sorry guys, that's actually a remix. Like I hope you're not too disappointed when you hear the original. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, Far
1: From Home is actually tying in very well with shuffle mode. Um, so from uh, Sandra, sorry, I don't have a, a surname there. Gabrielle has an absolutely amazing voice for trance. Where did you find her? And what was the inspiration from that song?
0: Um, so to answer the first part, Gabrielle came from Louis Vuitton tracks. She sang on a bunch of their tracks. Um, save tonight. Well, save yeah, save tonight was a cover of the old Eagle Eye Cherry. Save yeah, yeah, that's Sorry. and it was uh, it was actually by night. I think it was actually by Nigel Good, but it was Louis Vuitton remix. Gabrielle was on it, and um, when I was doing the old Electric Fly All Night tour, that was one of the ones I played the most. So um, amazing amazing, um, vocal, and, and when I heard that, I was like, okay, we need to get Gabriel on a track. Far From Home was a, was a instrumental I wrote probably five years ago, um, absolutely ages I, I was you know genuinely homesick which doesn't generally happen but I was like somewhere very far from home I remember waking up in the middle of the night um, no idea what time it was what day it was in some hotel room like no fucking idea what was going I'm sure, on
1: so many like DJ producers would absolutely empathise with that like the amount you guys travel I don't think people really realise how tough it is. I know I've been on tour with you a couple of times and I'll do a weekend and I've got to take two weeks off. I like,
0: (laughs) so much respect for that every weekend. The funny thing is, like, when I used to get friends who would say to me, yeah, your job's, your job's easy. You just go and play some records. And I'd say, like, do you wanna come with me on tour for a weekend? And they go, yeah, mate, it's a fucking party. So I'll take them on a weekend where we're doing like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, four shows in a row over four days. And usually after the second show, they'd be like, oh, I'm getting sick. I can't come to the club tonight. I'm gonna stay in and like and like have vitamin C. And I'll be like, it's fucking easy, though. You said it yourself. Disarray. No, I, absolutely. So, but yeah, no, the tra- I mean, I, I don't like to complain about it. The travelling can be tough. So um, I was super disorientated. I was jet-lagged. I couldn't sleep. So I got up and I wrote some chords on the computer. Those are the chords of Far From Home. And um, it just happened. And Gabrielle was in the studio. We wanted something to write over. I was like, hey, I've got this little track I wrote four or five years ago. And um, I think initially you and Gabrielle started writing lyrics on some sort of completely different theme. And then I was like... Is there any chance we can write something on the theme of being far from home and travelling and homesickness and stuff? Because that's what the original demo well, you was- actually
1: wrote. You know, very often. You know, I've worked with you loads. I'll do be doing the lyrical side and you'll obviously work on melodies and rhythm, but I think Far From Home is interesting. You were actually like throwing out lyrical
0: lines. I probably wrote a lot of the lyrics in that song, yeah, which is did. very weird for me. But well, uh um... they're a bit
1: shit. I'm <laughs> It's actually one of my favourite it's one of my favourite ones on there. And yeah, as we said, the Craig Connolly remix. So can we hear a bit of Far From Home?
0: We can. The original, not the Craig Connolly, because that's gonna be saved for later. But yeah, featuring Gabrielle says Far From Home.
1: interesting question here from Kyle Cambray. If you could have worked with a deceased artist on this album, who would it have been and why? Mozart. Oh, no, you knob. It can't be Mozart. No, he's he doesn't f- want to do EDM. Yeah.
0: Well, he would if he was around. i will persuade him. <laughs> no, he's just, a, like, I think the thing people don't realise about Mozart, and don't get me wrong, like, obviously, you know, John Lennon, um, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, like there's a lot of names that, that come to mind that I'll be incredibly honored to work with. The thing that blows my fucking mind about Mozart is his body of work. Like you're talking like thousands and thousands of pieces, and he was dead at 35. He's dead at the exact age I am now. And when I started finding out a bit more about what he had done in his life and looking at what I'd done in mine, I felt like the biggest underachiever ever. And um, if you ever think you've done a lot, like look at Mozart and you probably find you haven't. So, um, plus I like his music as well. We well, you know they don't have copyright on classical music.
1: Maybe you should do like a Mozart remix. Yeah,
0: a, it's a, 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 again, though, like somebody, somebody's so good you kind of feel by trying to tinker with something that's already perfect. I kind of feel you change one thing about Mozart and there's diminishment.
1: So we won't be hearing it, Gareth Emery featuring Mozart anytime soon. I'm sure what? a lot of fans are crying into their
0: pillows. I think I think if we did, it'd be Mozart featuring Gareth Emery. we would <laughs> <He'd> have to <laughs> Top Bill. have to get a Top Bill. I like it, very humble. Uh, next question, Wissam. What is
1: next for? I believe this is CVNT five.
0: That's a good question. I I don't know. Um, the video was amazing. Was amazing fun to make. We didn't really make it with any plans to to make. CVNT 5 I believe there's an alternative pronunciation to that. Is
1: there really?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, I didn't aim to make CVNT 5 into a thing. It kind of became a thing because people sort of really latched onto it. Like, well, they'll definitely appear again. And I, I kind of love being able to do something not entirely serious. And part, you know, part of the... I don't like to talk too much about that project, mainly because I think all the answers are kind of in the video. But one of the reasons why we did it was because... Dance music is just so fucking serious. Nobody laughs at anybody within the scene, even in a nice way. And you know, half the fucking jokes in that video, we're laughing at ourselves. It's stupid stuff I've done. Like I am a CVNT in many uh, have ways. Have you ever
1: uh, pissed on someone?
0: At no, 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 no i I'm, I'm no, <laughs> That's um,
1: coming this year, guys. Exclusive. You heard it here first.
0: But yeah, it was just it was just fun to basically do something that um, you know you don't have to take too seriously. And we actually to get a bunch of different people to do cameos in the video we always had almonds but we intended to have like you know four or five other cameos and we had some decent ones and other people were just like you know what it's, it's the best the one guy said it's the best video i've ever seen he goes it's just too controversial He goes, i just can't do it and i think that kind of shows you the the state of dance music and how other than a few people like say dylan francis nobody's really willing not to take themselves seriously so i'm liking having an outlet where i can have a bit of a laugh I don't know where it's going to go next
1: another question on the CVNT5s, uh, Jonathan Noble very interested to know how many club or promoters have made inquiries to book them this is actually one that I can answer as I have access to their <laughs> management's email mgmt at cvmt5.com and um, actually a shit ton, Um, probably at least 20 um, coming up for their debut gig, offering various amounts of cash and opportunities. Um, Not something I believe that their management has accepted yet. It's (laughs) certainly going to be interesting to see if they ever do do a live gig.
0: For me to get back into that outfit, um, it needs to be a lot of money.
1: Uh, Absolutely agree. Right, as
0: we're talking about that, why don't you give us a blast? Okay, this is uh, CVNC5, or as Armin van Buren doesn't like to call it, cunts. (laughs) 5 here on Electric for Life. I'm here with Roxanne Emery doing a special interview-style mash-up, kind of, we don't really know what the hell we're doing, sort of episode. But it's kind of fun so far. Rox, what are we doing?
1: Oh, n- more questions, more questions. Why not? Um, this is actually coming from Matt Fraser. Uh... Seems a little soon to be asking this, but possibly you will have news. When is album four? Mm-hmm. Album three has obviously been out for three days, and he <laughs> wants to know when album four is.
0: Ideally, two years. I mean, I, I think to do one w- to do one in less than two years would be pretty difficult. Um, Hundred reasons to live took two years. Yeah. Uh, drive took four years, by the way. So I definitely was able to become a little bit more efficient. Um, during the last two years, but yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you know, we did drive on April the first, twenty fourteen. Hundred reasons to live was April the first, twenty sixteen. So, um, April the
1: 1st, 2018, if, if you, you, first, twenty eighteen. You
0: know, Gareth Every album If I was a betting man.
1: Okay, so question from Matt Fettle, our cousin. Hello, Matt. Love you. <laughs> Thanks for sending in. Um, give him a shout out.
0: What's up, Matt? I love the fact that I always knew Matt would send in a question, and if nobody else sent in a question, we'd have one from Matt. We'd have one from Matt. Thank Thank you, Matt. for always
1: supporting. Much appreciated. Um, What tracks are first in line for remixes and release? So, what are people going to hear first?
0: I think Lost is the next single, isn't it?
1: Yeah, possibly. Although, because of the reaction, um, when you did that Facebook mentions to make it happen, we're kind of talking about maybe... Changing that up. But yeah,
0: probably going to be Lost or Make It Happen. Lost, Make It Happen and Save Me featuring Christina. Those are kind of the big three right now. Although we are getting remixes done on everything because... Um, we want to do a remix album on the back end of the year, as you probably can imagine. So, um... Sorry,
1: David, your question
0: is being deleted because he's just answered it, but shout, shout, out. Out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Shout out, David. <laughs> my, my psychic abilities um, in there.
1: Okay, Abby Sola, the lyrics to Reckless are absolutely heart-wrenching. <clears throat> you tend to do this very well in your songs. Can you tell us the story
0: behind the Reckless lyrics? I mean, I can't because I didn't write them. I mean, with with. These kind of songs, like "Reckless" and "Concrete Angel," I am always looking for those lyrics that go over and above just being a good song. You know, there's many songs I listen to, and I go, "Yeah, it's a nice song, it's cool," but I'm always looking for that song that like tears your soul apart, and that I can happen. In, yeah, tears your soul apart. You know, <laughs> but, you know it, it can be in a positive way, and it can like put like tears of joy in your eyes, or you can be, "Wow, this is really fucking sad." And, and for me. A lot of the best songs are the ones that can equally inspire happiness or sadness, depending on the context. And Concrete Angel—that was, you know, definitely one. Some people saw it as an incredibly uplifting song, had it played at their wedding, and other people have said they're going to have it played in their, their funeral. So yes. if, you, if you can kind of hit those two things, you've done well. So Reckless, for me, just just had that feeling about it. I mean, you worked pretty closely with um, with Lydia on on, on, on the song.
1: I, I did, yeah. And just knowing, I think, what you said about songs really. Um, having the opportunity to like bring someone to tears in in whatever way, I think you have always done that really well. Concrete Angel, You, Reckless. There's just something over and above what that standard song would have that will kind of touch people in a different way. Um, I would say that with Reckless... Lydia, I actually met on tour. I was touring with her, and um, I was kind of partly managing them actually at this time. We were yeah. on tour with Janet Devlin, so, so
0: that was a good tour you know, for a hundred reasons to live. Great there tour. Two vocals out of it. Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> and Christina was on tour with us as well, so it's almost like the the Janet Devlin tour reunion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we were on tour, and then I really wanted to get them on on a record. And so they sent in a song, really great song. Probably any other artist would have. Taken it, but I remember you kind of saying, "Oh, doesn't really have the magic," um, and I wasn't quite sure what you meant. But when she then sent that reckless to me, I understood, and I know that there's a really, really personal story behind it to do with the relationship, um, which I don't want to go too much into detail with because maybe Lydia will want to share that herself. But you can always t- uh, tweet them W daughter band to find out. But yeah, it comes from a super dark place, and she kind of bared her soul. I think in a very same way Christina did, and it just connects fans seem to realize when there's that authentic pain buried in the lyrics and in the I, vocal delivery. The
0: way I read the song and I don't but I don't know what the song's about so what I could be yeah. saying no so what I could All be right. saying could be complete bullshit. Got but when I first heard the lyrics of Reckless I kind of saw it as a girl who's been the bad one in a relationship, kind of fucking over a guy, and usually it would be the other way round. Or like girls are singing about heartbreak, but a girl going, "Hey, it was me. I was the I was the bitch. Sorry, I fucked you over." That's kind of how I saw the song going. And maybe it's you know maybe it's not that. I know everybody will hear a song and have their own interpretation, but that, that's what drew me into it. It
1: is film. it's absolutely that. I mean, I think it it goes kind of one step further. It was a very 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 serious relationship, kind of already moving on to. Um, the most serious things that you can do, and then she kind of and she kind of left. Well, so. well, what are the most serious things oh, you can God, do? Oh God, you're like, dragging
0: you're out me out. like, you, you can't can say the most serious things you can do. Well, she was a murdering. Well, <laughs> What were you thinking about the most serious gonna, things you can do? Lydia,
1: I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind me. Me. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. Um, she was engaged to someone and going to get married, and you know, th- but basically felt that it wasn't the right thing, and obviously loved him very much, but just wasn't the right person. So she took a very hard decision, I think, to end the relationship. And this was the song she wrote about that. So it really is, you know, wow. probably the, the biggest emotional experience of her life and that she's written about. So I think when people respond, respond to those lyrics and pick up on it, well, you're right. It's, it is something.
0: And I think the best songs do usually come from a real place. Sometimes you write an amazing song when you've put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Yeah. So you're kind of faking it, but usually they're real. I think whoever asked that question has. Just had a very comprehensive answer. Yeah, Abby Sola, hope That's you a sure play that. play uh, Let's play it, yeah. All right, so featuring Wayward Daughter, um, this is Reckless. So that was Reckless featuring Wayward Daughter. I see you got yourself a beer during that one. Oh,
1: yeah, I did. So, do, you didn't
0: want one. No, I'm going to go drive home afterwards.
1: Oh, OK. Well, aren't you on a, one of your sober things at the moment? Or not?
0: No, no, I've, I've been drinking a lot the last week.
1: Hold on. Hold on. I thought you were doing six months
0: Yeah, I Yeah, I did two. I did two months. Still pretty good. All oh, right, part. one
1: third, one third. <laughs> yeah, it's still good. Hold on, let me just put... I've got two bottles. OK, so I think we are going on... another question let me just get my notes up Kelly Potts are you doing an album tour
0: uh, yeah probably a few I mean we've got one starting in the US uh, next weekend which is kind of a album playback sort of album preview tour so we're doing smaller venues than we normally would do so say in New York last time we did Terminal 5 uh, 3,000 people this time we're doing Output in Brooklyn which I think is less than a thousand um, it's basically because nobody really is going to know the album songs that well it takes like six months for people to really know the music so um, it's kind of small venues going to be like the hardcore only uh, super fun and then towards the end of the year we'll probably do a more full on 35 city uh, big venues LEDs, production, CO2, confetti type type tour. But um, yeah to answer the question, first one is in April um, second one will be in the fall Plus, um, we'll be doing little album shows around the world. So, um, yeah, bandsintown.com slash Gareth Emery. It's all on there.
1: Well done, good plug. <laughs> um, Ken Emery, I think this is directed at me. Where have all my socks gone? Sorry, Dad, I've been in Amsterdam travelling. Um, I hadn't done my washing before I left. I was obviously working hard on the album, I so I borrowed th- a few... <laughs> pairs of your socks. If, if dad is
0: listening to this, <laughs> y- you have a phone and Roxanne has a phone. Why, why are you wasting the time of the tens of thousands slash hundreds of thousands of people that listen to a letter for life by asking who's stolen your socks?
1: To be fair, I think he might have tried to text me on it and I, I might have ignored him. So he's got through now. So sorry, dad. All
0: right, sure. for your fault then?
1: It, it, well, it is my fault. But yeah, I'll, I will buy you. In fact, let's get some 100 Reasons to Live print socks and he can have those. That's, good that's all he can wear. <laughs> okay, that's enough to Time for you, old man. Okay, Siddhantha, sorry if I have pronounced that incorrectly. If you were not a DJ, what profession <clears throat> would you be?
0: Some sort of entrepreneurial profession that didn't require getting out of bed in the morning. Um, although, like, give, being a dad, I get up a lot earlier. Like, I'm, I'm now up the earliest I've ever been. But um, even before I did dance music, I had a few businesses, um, most of which that lost money. But then I had one selling mobile phone ringtones when I was like 19 or 20 years old that did really well and paid off all my college debt. So I think I've always been good at doing stuff that wasn't a conventional... nine to five type job and and, you know there's also probably going to be a period of my life where you know i don't want to travel the world and go to 15 50 countries each year and you know live on planes and in hotels and stuff so i'm not kind of ruling out the possibility that at some point i'll be making music but my income will not necessarily come from from djing so um yeah something where you can stay in bed basically stay stay in bed bed. guys you know i I like i like doing different (laughs) things each day i like the fact that
1: well, they've you seen know. the 100 Reasons to Live, walking, sunsets, coffees. Yeah, and, and, and you, know, you know,
0: tonight we're here in Manchester recording a podcast, tomorrow I'm flying back to Los Angeles. Like, this afternoon I was walking up a fucking mountain in the Lake District, one of the most beautiful parts of the UK. Like, I like the fact that life is never the same each day. It's an absolute roller coaster. but that for me is um, one of the things I enjoy. And whatever job I do, I kind of want to keep that element of unpredictability about life.
1: Yeah, absolutely, completely understand you mentioned that obviously being a dad is one of the reasons you're getting up earlier we had a fuck ton of questions in about the track Sansa I think it's becoming like a real fan favourite um, too many questions to actually go over but the kind of essence of it Obviously the inspiration is your baby. Yeah. Um, but can you just speak a little bit more about, you know, the process of creating it? Um and I would just say from my point of view as like a fan really of the music, if you could talk about maybe the intro and the little feature at the end, I think that would be a super nice story to share.
0: Um yeah, a lot of people have kind of tweaked it already, but the intro has a little nod to Mistral, which was my first ever um, kind of released that, that did anything. I mean, originally, before it was called Sansa, it was called Shoreline. So the reason why it's got... Was it got, Shoreline 2? <laughs> <too? laughs> uh, no, Long Way Home 2 at first it was Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. because it was the... Um, Long Way Home 2, yeah. I, I, I began with the chords. So the chords at the start was how I started writing the song. And um, it was going to be called Shoreline, which is why I, you have those kind of like beach noises at the beginning and the end. And it began kind of being a song about... Um, kind of walking on the shore. Like we come from by the sea, Southampton slash Bloxheath. So a lot of my childhood was spent on beaches, stony beaches, not the kind of blue skies, sandy ones you get in California, like ones where it's rocks instead of sand and it's pissing down in rain. (laughs) So um, that was the kind of pipe I wanted wanted to put in it. Um, And then when I realised the track was becoming a little bit special and probably my favourite track on the album, then I was like, this should be a tribute to... Sansa and I think sorry
1: Sarah Uh -uh. there goes your question oh okay you're
0: like killing them off (laughs) yeah yeah and you know if I'd sat down and tried to write a track to Sansa it would have been too much pressure and instead it would just happen that the track came together very naturally without any pressure it was just a really nice track felt very personal to me so um, I named it after her Um, you've got the mistral touch at the beginning which was just a random little nod back to a track i made 14 years ago and um there's also a little sample of sansa laughing in which is like buried in the outro so if you kind of listen to it die away at around like the five and a half minute six minute mark um she is also in there as well
1: one of the sweetest moments i think when i was listening to the track um i remember i was in amsterdam and you sent through the final version I was listening obviously really enjoying it it's named after my niece who I love so I was already finding it so incredible Long Way Home was probably my favourite track on drive um, a
0: lot of people, Long Way Home is a lot of people's favourite yeah, tracks just,
1: just, it's just so emotional and so classy and you know, says a lot without needing a vocal that, you know, that just goes to show the power of electronic music for me um and then yeah when i heard the giggle at the end just yeah i think i started crying like a real <laughs> pussy but
0: just Job done. yeah
1: absolutely absolutely brilliant so i guess as we're talking about it should we do a blast
0: of sansa yeah maybe we'll do more than a blast on this one because i think we'll play a good few minutes we'll try and get the giggle in. all right let's let, let's do that all right all right this is sansa
1: So that was Sansa, hope you heard the giggle, hope you liked it, definitely I think my favourite from the album. Okay, Robert Brunt, what was the funny, funniest moment for each of you during the album recording process?
0: Uh, for me it was during the recording of the cvnt5 video i mean to be honest if i had to name the 10 funniest moments during the process of doing the album they all would have been on that video shoot because it was just amazing fun and and tony yacinda the director was a really fun guy to work with just made it like the most hilarious process the, the funniest moment was uh, we were trying to find omnia um in San Diego, which is where we, it's where we shot the, <laughs> it's where we shot the club scenes um, in the cbnc five video. and um, we're walking down the street and it was me, Roxanne, uh, Lisa who who works for me, and um Ashley, Ashley Warbridge. and Ash has a very thick accent. I don't know if you ever anybody's ever heard him speak. He can be quite difficult to understand and I know a lot of people, around the world say, I'm difficult to understand. Oh, no. Go and listen to Ashley.
1: Um, oh, I'm fucking from God. Like I can't <laughs> What do you mean I've got a bad accent, lad?
2: Like oh, fucking
0: hell. Yeah, you, you'll put me in context. So basically, we couldn't find Omnia. And we saw this random dude who obviously worked in one of the adjacent buildings who looked like he should know where it is. And Ash went up to him and just went, Omnia Club. And the guy just, like, stares at him blankly. And Ash goes... Omnia Club. <laughs> and the guy just like, literally, is going, he's going, going, going and he, went again. he goes, he went, what? Omnia Club. He just kept repeating, Omnia and, and, Club. and the guy just had no idea whatsoever. So then I like leaned in, I said, said, excuse me, we're looking for a nightclub called Omnia. And the guy goes, oh yeah, man, no problem. Omnia, just down there. So like, for the rest of the shoot, like whenever we were being stupid. We are just like, yell at Ashley,
1: Omnia, Omnia Club! War- <laughs> yeah, and it, and it still sticks now. If you want to annoy Ashley Warbridge, tweet him now at Ash Warbridge. Omnia Club.
0: All, and in, all, him all in, in capital letters.
1: All in capital letters. <laughs> I think for me, yeah, definitely CVNT5 shoot. Just abs, just so much fun for all of us from from planning working on the video shoot for me it has to be the urination scene I just remember kind of standing at the back with the director and you kind of you know, pulled your pants down and, and with spraying, <laughs> spraying the liquid over the, the poor girl in the front row. And it was, I remember- it was, it
0: was water sprayed out of a water bottle, by the way. When you say the liquid, you make, <laughs> sorry, it, make, it, it, make it, it sound sorry, like sorry, we water. were using like actual it was, piss. It, like. it was,
1: it was water, but I just remember sort of shaking my head and thinking, you know, of it, all the years I've been working with Gaz and kind of around his career, I never thought I would see him in a music video with his pants down, pretending to urinate, on a fan, but you
0: know. I actually said when I was standing up on stage with my pants around my ankles, and there was like probably 50 people in the club because we had extras, we had like the, you know, Ashley, sort of our team, all the video guys, and I I just said to the room, I was like, there's certain moments when you question the personal and professional choices you've made in your life, and and standing on the stage of a club about to pretend to piss in somebody's face (laughs) is, is definitely one of them.
1: Um, Absolutely right, we've already played CBNT 5. So what I'm going to do is instead pick a track that nobody asked about.
0: (laughs) Sorry. So not not a future single, this one?
1: (laughs) Not a future single. (laughs) Um, Actually, I did see some comments online previously about this one, the story so far. People basically saying, oh, this has been an ID that's in your sets for ages. So I'm guessing you've been playing it as as an intro? It was my intro
0: track and I'm kind of finding with this one. It was like... Probably one of the tracks that I like more than anybody else because I loved it when I was making it. Oh, yeah. I kind of loved That's it. Awkward. I loved it as an intro, but it never went down that well as an intro. And even uh Geordie, who's my tour and production manager, who is always traveling with me, um who does like a lot of the production our shows, he, he said to me one day, he goes, Will there be and he's Dutch, so he doesn't tend to mince his words, he's very direct. And he said, Will there be any other intro tracks from um, the new album that we can use? And we were using the story so far at oh, that God. Point, And I said, "Why?" And he said, "Well, the story so far isn't really working, is it?"
1: Oh, ouch,
0: Ben. <laughs> so um, can, been... ask, can I can ask a question? Yeah. Without being rude, if if you knew it wasn't
1: going down that well and Jordy wasn't feeling it, why is it the opening track to the album? Because
0: I. I still think it's a great opening track, and if people don't, they can tweet me and disagree, and I... If
1: not, skip to
0: track two. I I won't read them, because, like,
1: no, no. No, the thing is, like, I... Oh, no, I'm kidding. Actually, loads of people have said, oh, I finally know now, On this ID, we just didn't have
0: a direct. I really... On the story so far, I really enjoyed making the two... Two and a half minutes, kind of brooding, semi-orchestral, um, kind of quite dark stuff at the beginning. I Most felt like star was an influence, was it? <laughs> Bloody hell. No, I just, felt, I just felt like it was a big opening, and the, even like the way, like I felt like it was meant to be a transitional track, so. The idea was, if you were listening to Drive and then 100 Reasons to Live back to back, you'd listen to the end of Long Way Home and then you'd start listening to the story so far. It was kind of a to be continued thing. Mm. That was that was the idea. But um, hey, maybe it's one for me rather than one for anybody else. (laughs) If so, sorry you all had to listen to it. But if you like it, um, you're joining joining a very exclusive club. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Here is a short sample.
0: Please get (laughs) a story so far is there. So that was the story so far, which everybody has said has been the best track from 100 Reasons to Live, at least until they listen to Cloudline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I feel bad now. Anyway, on to the next question, um, Victor Kidson. Which track set the standard for this album? Which track came first?
0: Ooh, it's a good question. I'm just looking at the tra- looking at the track list now. Um, it's a hard one. Like came first in terms of being like finished or ke- came first in terms of being a demo. I mean,
1: I mean, like, what what was the first demo and what was the first finished track? I guess both would be interesting.
0: First finished track was Hands which actually wasn't meant to be on the album. It was going to be kind of a filler single. I don't mean filler in kind of a derogatory way, just a track that wasn't going to be on any particular album. So it was going to fill in the space between um, Drive and 100 Reasons to Live. Um, just turned out to do so well, became a big fan of Favourite, so that went on the album. Um, the first demo was Make It Happen, which is featuring Lawson. Um, they're a really big band here in the UK. I originally did a demo of... Um, make it happen back in 2011. There's a bit of a... Can I tell the backstory to this one? Oh, bloody hell, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> so there's a bit of a backstory to this <laughs> one. I'm, I'm not going to feel bad because Roxanne's told the reckless backstory. So you can jump in if I'm... You, if no All right, off you go. So I got to know the guys from Lawson because Roxanne was dating um, the guitarist, a guy called Joel Pete, super nice guy. And um, when they were unsigned at this point, so... We started chatting about doing something together. Make It Happen was a demo from them and I kind of like made an electronic version. Everyone loved it. And then they kind of did a major label deal just after that. Before we managed to sign a deal for the track, they signed to, was it like Polydor? Polydor, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, with anybody signed to major labels, there's so many... Administrators and management and lawyers involved. Like, getting any sort of act signed to a major to sing on a dance track is a fucking nightmare. Just like, not because people don't want it to happen, they're just a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So, we kind of realized shortly after that that Make It Happen was not going to happen. Roxanne and Joel broke up. Um, and for years, the track was kind of forgotten. And then I think about Six months ago, I listened to the demo again. I was like, wow, like it's five years old and I still love this.
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, I remember we had a demo of it. It honestly must have been 2011. Um, and I saw a funny tweet the other day from um, Andy Brown, the lead singer. And it was actually a, a tweet he had done that said, uh, you know, Gareth Emery versus Lawson, like, <laughs> wait for this one. It's going to be huge. And the date is 2011. So people have had to wait. But I remember playing the demo at global gathering uh, to kind of a room full of our, our kind of friends and stuff. And every person in the room just, this is amazing, this has to come out. And then, yeah, it's such a shame we couldn't do it. Um, but I think all of us have always believed, you know, that was a fucking great record. So it's I'd, so I'd kind of, I think demo. I'd come back
0: to it maybe every 12 months and I'd listen to it and I'd kind of go, damn, it was a shame that one never got released. So um, it kind of turned out that joel and the rest of the band were up for it and i was like listen man like i sent him an email i nearly didn't send it because i was like is he really going to want to hear from me and i was like fuck it like what's the worst that can happen and i was like mate you know long time gone by shame you you guys broke up like collab, bro said yeah but hey bro like track was a good one like you know we should we should try and do it and um i think obviously since 2011 electronic music has gone really crazy in the states which probably made it more of an appealing thing for the guys to do and um i was just glad you know they said let's do it, I went and reproduced the track finally did a proper production on it and um, five years after the original demo we made it happen so um, I think it's kind of an interesting lesson that even when something seems completely beyond the realms of what you can do and it looks dead in the water carry on going and always ask that question because you never fucking know how somebody's circumstances you know, or their opinion on something may have changed and um, I'm so glad we finally did it
1: yeah, so we're going to be reapproaching mm. Oliver Heldens for that remix. Now we've got the number ones. Let's do it.
0: Do you approach, did we approach Oliver Heldens for a remix? I think we did. Yeah. What? Did you tell us down? No, you didn't turn us
1: down. <laughs> so, well, got me. I don't think we got a reply, but I think you
0: know we'll go back in now. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, no reply at all. That's, that's even worse. Don't tweet Oliver though. I love you. Don't tweet he always, Oliver. You always direct message me his new promo. So Oliver, we love you. Well, thank you. you
1: direct message him then. Don't have me sending the email if, you've, if you're mates with him.
0: Okay. All right, I'm, I'm on it.
1: Um, anyway, but if you don't ask, the answer is always no, I think is the, the key to that.
0: That and is, it, a, so that is we a quote. Li- we live and die by that, right? Don't that, we? That is a quote that I live by. So, for everybody listening, if you'd wire me a thousand. No. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so should we play it? Make it happen. Lawson and Gareth Emery, make it happen.
1: So that was Gareth Emery featuring my ex-boyfriend, no joking. It was Lawson. Make it happen. Finally fucking made it happen. Um, you also mentioned um, kind of hands in that story as well, being the first one. Um, guys, if you haven't seen it, check out the hands video. It was from the European Olympic Games closing ceremony, and it's fucking amazing. Doesn't have that many views, don't know why, so please help us go and, <laughs> go, and uh, go and check them out. Guys, yeah, your pizza's
0: here. Fuck yes! How long has that pizza taken to come? Fucking 45 minutes. It's not a very good advertisement for Domino's in, um, in Manchester. Alright, should we take a break and then eat the pizza and then re-edit back in when we come back online? I was a fucking loop Right, let's do it. you look in a bit of a food coma now. We're back, by the way. Um, how much pizza did you eat? In slices? Yes. I think like eight. Oh my gosh, I would, I just had chicken wings. I'm, I'm doing can a high protein thing. you stop rubbing it in like you
1: Mozart listening chicken wing <laughs> eating knobhead. <You> fl- <laughs> it's a Sunday, you flow me from Amsterdam. I was supposed to be going home. The last I can have is pizza. We do have two tubs of Ben and Jerry's.
0: Yeah, that is true. I'm gonna I'm gonna suck into those okay, a so bit. So let's
1: get through this, finish this off and then it's ice cream ice time. Ice cream. Um, okay, what's next? What is next? Uh, Chris Pedden, are you going to do any acoustic gigs? Absolutely loved. Save me unplugged.
0: Um... I would love to. It's um, it is definitely on like the bucket list of stuff to do. I wouldn't expect to see it in the next year or two because there's so much other stuff going on. Um, to, to be honest, save me unplugged was interesting because I, I'd done a few things like that at live shows. I'd never recorded it, and um, it's actually rocks that dragged me into the studio. And um, well, you because your is here now. Right? <laughs> <Me>? <laughs> yeah, it was you, you that made me do it, right. Otherwise, uh, I probably never would have actually gone and gone and recorded one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think. I obviously have seen you quite a lot, like playing piano and practicing and especially over the last year, playing a lot of blues. Um, you know, when we did some of the kind of drunken nights when we shout requests at you and you play anything. And it just kind of really reminded me like how impressive it is to, to really see someone that has that technical level on an instrument. Well,
0: to be honest, I'd not play the piano for about 10 years because I'd got into the habit of just keying the notes in on a computer, which a lot of producers do, which is a great way of making music, by the way. Um, And then when I finally had a bit more space and I had a house that had room for a piano, I got an actual piano, started practising, and um, I don't feel like I'm good enough yet. Um, I would love to do a tour of me on piano and guests. Nothing else. Like, I don't want a fucking band and other musicians and shit. I literally just want to be, like... My dream would be me on a grand piano... Then we could wheel out Christina Belli, you, Beau Bruce, um, Alex and Sierra. Gareth Henry unplugged. Unplugged, yeah. Well, like Eric Clapton unplugged. That'd be amazing. But um, I've got to get better on piano first. So, you know, give me a few years to practice and um, who knows? Can we give you a year? Let's set that target. If you don't ask, the answer's no. Come on, let's do 2017. I'll try. (laughs) Um,
1: Okay, another one on Save Me. Actually, Stephen Galloway. (laughs) Interesting one who is remixing Save Me.
0: I thought you I said Stephen Galloway was remixing it. And I was like, who's, who's Stephen Galloway? He's really so hot. So so I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's a legend. I was, like, <laughs> I, was just, I was like, who's this producer, Stephen Galloway? Should I know who he is? <laughs> um, who is remixing Save Me? I believe... Well... we, we Yeah, it's, it's John O'Callaghan.
1: It's John O'Callaghan who obviously did the
0: fucking smashing remix of uh, Concrete Angel. And I actually remember, I first heard the demo of John's remix. I'm not sure if we're a final version yet, but I heard the demo in Miami and I thought it was fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, it is, it is amazing. It isn't the final version. Um, I think there's just some final notes going back, but it is absolutely fantastic. And I think we're also trying to get a cheeky Armin remix. There's been a few tweets oh, going to Armin. Oh
0: yes, I forgot, I forgot about that. Um,
1: yeah, hopefully that happens. Tweet Armin, remix <laughs> save me. I know he's definitely seen the, the first bunch. Um, on that note, should we have a little bit of uh, Miss Novelli?
0: Yes, Um, so me featuring Christina Novelli, this is kind of the true follow-up to Concrete Angel, not saying that Dynamite wasn't, but I feel this is the genuine sort of Concrete Angel part two, Um, this is Save Me.
2: Hide behind
1: absolutely just love that record that's another
0: one that took a long time to finish though right
1: well to be honest the sort of the top line's been knocking around for a couple of years we always knew it was super special
0: you, I, I should know this. Did you write
1: Save Me? No, I didn't write it. Um, it was Christina and it was Christina and Joe um, that we've mentioned quite a few times. Joe, Joe Lawrence.
0: Uh, shout out to him if he's listening. He's probably not, so no point saying that. Well, but, um, his,
1: his new baby is being born, I think, like tonight. Or oh, wow. Today, congrats. so congrats. So, so Joe Joe's an, probably won't
0: be listening. An amazing songwriter who we do a lot of work with. Um, he wrote... And producer. And producer. So he wrote Save Me, he worked on Reckless. We were young. We were young. (laughs) um, He helped me out a little bit with hands and um, loads of of other stuff. Um, But yeah, so Save Me, we originally had um, the vocal for Save Me back in 2013, just after Concrete Angel. And for some reason I listened to it and I was like, yeah, it's too similar to Concrete Angel. Like, I don't want people to think we're just recycling the same formula. And I kind of let the voice of not even the voice of the haters, the voice of what I felt the haters maybe get in my head and go, yeah, we don't want to do the same thing twice because everyone's just going to go- It's good, but it's not Concrete Angel. You can see it now. Yeah, right? exactly. And also, you know, I was in that period where trance was like a bit of a dirty word. And I think a lot of people go, like, that was a period of chasing money. It never really was. I just wasn't very excited about trance. For a period of two or three years, I was more into house and EDM. That's just, just, just a fact. Um, and, um, so I wanted to make something that was a little bit more on a more housey tip, which is why we wrote Dynamite. And then I think... I think I was,
1: it's brilliant, Dynamite. See. Yeah, people like, yeah, Dynamite's done really it. well. Like,
0: people love Dynamite. And then, um, it was only when I started doing this album, I went like, fuck, we had a killer track in Save Me, and we never did anything with it. So, went back, produced it again, and, um... Definitely one of my top three on the album, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. And love the unplugged version of it, Mm. of course. Guys, check it out on YouTube if you haven't. And just for me, like, I've obviously been lucky enough to see a lot of these played at gigs and know what they are. You've obviously been playing them as a lot of IDs. I've known what these tracks are, and I think when Save Me is played... There is a sort of kind of magic in the air, and um, people just respond so well to it, and it really reminds me of watching you playing Concrete Angel before people knew it. Right? Um, yeah. Which just is super inspiring for the track, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be a fan favourite. I'd, I hope so. Hope I so. love it. Okay, on to the next question. Um, sorry for including this, Gaz, but I did have to, Justin. <laughs> This is so funny right now, and you're going to know why. Do you ever wash that black and white striped shirt? I've seen you in it for the past three days. Justin, I wish this was a video podcast because I would show you. He is wearing it it now. I wondered what that smell was when I came in. Now I know. So (laughs) do
2: you wash it? Why are you in it
3: again?
0: (laughs) I'm... I'm kind of one of these people. If I get a new item of clothing I really like, I just wear it all the time for about three months. And the reason I I like this is... Generally speaking, I don't like wearing eyeglasses. And for those people that don't know, like, I I do...
1: eyeglasses, what other type of
0: glasses? Well, no, like... Hand glasses. I think think in America, just for the benefit of the Americans, they call glasses eyeglasses. Like, eyeglasses (laughs) and sunglasses. I'm completely wrong. Anyway, I wear... Please
1: please tweet me and let me know if he's he's wrong, because I would like to rub eyeglasses (laughs) in
3: his face.
0: Anyway, so I wear glasses because my eye my eyes are bad, and um, I don't generally like myself wearing them. So usually I wear contact lenses whenever I need to go out in public. However, I kind of feel the eyeglasses with this jersey is quite a good look. So I've been overwearing the jersey so I can wear my um, glasses more often. To
1: be fair, I think it
0: is a really great look. And these um, are these these. I got new glasses. Blenders. Blenders. Who are my my boys. Shout um, out to
1: blend. I mean, God, they send us so many amazing pairs. We did an EFL collaboration with them. Blenders like
0: the coolest fucking shit. Best sunglasses. Like like and a lot of, I'm I'm not just saying this for like a shameless plug. Like a lot of people have been Snapchatting me saying, "What Res- are those spectacles Western or glasses, glasses you've been wearing?" And what um, spectacles. They, oh my <laughs> God.
3: <laughs> it gets-
0: Nobody's, Nobody's actually used that word. But everyone's been saying, what are your glasses? We love them. They are blenders. I like them because they don't look like they're actual glasses they look like I've just put on some frames to try and look like geek chic but they're actual glasses he is Um, an
1: actual geek but they actually make
0: fucking amazing sunglasses as well so um, yeah shout out to um, Chase and the Blender's Crew and
1: guys if anyone online knows where you can get some cool monochrome long sleeves please tweet at Gareth Emery because we need to get him out of this shirt on to the next question Sam Ivory who came in via Snapchat Um, absolutely love the fact you've got Janet Devlin on the album have loved her voice ever since she was on X Factor Um, how did you come up with the melody to Lost because it seems to uh, fit her voice so well just super quickly for people that don't know again Janet was X Factor in the UK this time we had Alex and Sierra that won the US version and Janet Um, I don't actually believe she won the UK but I think she kind of came you know came in the top five yeah I don't um, watch her song and has had a super successful career so yeah so the melody for Lost what was the kind of inspiration how did that come about
0: Lost was like probably the most difficult track on the album to produce because I immediately it was a great song you know Janet's songwriting was was amazing and um almost straight away i wrote the the main riff you know the kind of ( Crimea) (inaudible) it's kind of like twinkly sort of riff and um immediately i loved the riff i was like wow that's like for me it's my favorite riff on the album so the moment i wrote the riff i was like bang there's the riff done the rest of the song should be you know pretty fucking easy and i could not get the um, vocal sitting right over any sort of electronic beat I made. And I probably made three or four different um, kind of beats for the verse and the chorus to go under. Nothing worked. Um, And in the end, after very nearly giving up on it, I tried it super basic. piano vocal, an acoustic bass and kind of some acoustic style drums so you kind of have this very electronic riff and then the rest of the track I basically produced it like I was producing a rock band. So, um, and for some reason it kind of worked and it it was the only way it worked but it works pretty well I think. Let's hear it then. This is featuring Janet Evelyn, Lost.
1: There's no smoke
2: without reason It's a sign something wrong in my lungs There's a poison I've been breathing in too long Cause there's no I, no I in we And there's no you, no you in me Cause I've been burned away beyond the
3: third degree
0: Oh, that was Lost featuring Janet Devlin, definitely one of my favourites um, and I suppose i will just say thank you very much for having this order the album already um, ha- How we've had like a lot of uh, number ones in dance charts haven't we've we? We've
1: had 18 number ones in dance charts worldwide that's, including that's mental. USA, Australia Canada, some amazing places, it's quite funny actually I had a um, you know one of those Facebook memories that came up um, today which was from Drive and I'd messaged about how we had three number ones at that point so to look back (laughs) to two years ago where we had three to now where we have 18 and really what what's the difference just working harder being happier like
0: isn't it crazy to to better better music but also um you know i think so much testament to the guys out there that bought it like many of you listening because like you know we we know that you guys don't need to buy albums like you know there's a million places you can stream them on spotify you can stream on youtube Bay. yeah it's like a million like like non legit places you can go and get them and I, I kind of know that anybody that buys an album like you almost feel like you're doing charity work when you buy it because you're doing it for no other reason than to support the artist and so to say true. hey i really fucking like what you're doing i want to see your work up the ch- up in the charts and um that so many people were willing to to do that for me and for this album um which so say thank
1: you. Thing is, I think as well, some fans will, will probably think, Oh, you know, why do I need to buy it or why should I? I can just, uh, you know, download it somewhere for free. It isn't so much <clears> for you about getting the, the money back for an album. Like, we'll, we'll probably never make the money back you know, from I, everything we've I would, spent. <laughs> I'd
0: give people their ten dollars or whatever it is back. Well, cause don't cause say it's, that because <laughs> no, but it's, not, it. it's, it's not, it's not about no, the money, no, it's like, not,
1: but you know, just. From my point of view, working on the management team, you know, when I get 18 number ones, I get to go to your agents and say, guys, get us in these territories. And they then have statistics. You know, it's a fucking tough world out there. And to get gigs, especially in some of the more unusual markets, people will just say no, because they're looking at other people who've got this many number ones or whatever. So for you guys to come and buy the album, it means Gareth is more likely to come and, you know, be playing in, in your territory. I, I, I think the
0: thing is as well, is like I don't generally like, I really don't like asking for stuff and I'm kind of very aware of how privileged my position is and how to get paid to be honest, like like stupid fees sometimes to travel around the world and play and play music for people is such an amazingly privileged position to kind of go, yo, go and spend like fucking $3 a beep or whatever, it's kind of tough for me. Um, which is why like I don't ask for people to vote for me in DJ Mag, I couldn't give a fuck about it. And to be honest, since I've been out of it, my career's done a lot better. So make of that what you will. Um, and I don't ask for people to vote for me in like awards and stuff like that. I mean, maybe occasionally somebody else is on the Twitter rather than me because like ever. Everyone on the management team has access so like somebody else might do it but I'll never ask for that stuff. The only thing I'll ever do is an album because like Rock says you know it, it, it's the one thing that really does matter.
1: Thanks, guys. Please buy it. Smart URL. It's that 100 RTL. Just had to get that in. Uh, Barbie, you've asked, you've said you love the title, what's the inspiration? Um, We're not going to go over it now, but go and check out Gareth's Facebook page to search Gareth Emery. Hopefully you're already a fan. There's a really long post. It's actually pinned there at the moment, the top one, um, basically explaining the story and about why it's called that. And actually, a lot of people have found it quite inspirational. So, yeah, Barbie, go and check that out. Um, Irish Fife. I'm so sorry. I don't have your full name. I think this came in through um, Gareth's Snapchat. Interesting question. What's the most romantic song on
0: the album? Um, I Could Be Stronger, I think. Um, which is... I could be stronger. Oh, it's <laughs> def- that's one of my favourites And well. And part of the reason I like that song was the lyrics were always felt like a kind of and and again I never know like when the lyrics are being written by somebody else I never know what the songs actually are about so usually all I can give is my interpretation but I felt it was you know a husband or boyfriend or parent or whatever trying to be a better person for those that are dearest to them and that's very much of what I've tried to do over the past two years to be a better family member, a better parent, a better boss to the people on our team. Um, So the song probably appealed to me um, on that level. Funny enough, I don't know if you remember, so Rox, you'd sent me A demo of this song, and I'd said I kind of wasn't into it. And then we were at Joe's, and you were playing it. I was like, "Fucking hell, it's amazing! What is this?" And you were like, "Uh, "You turned it down." It's it's the one you've already turned down. And I was like, "Get it back! Get it back!"
1: I remember I emailed the manager, and I was like, "Please, God, tell me that I could be stronger." Has not gone. And he was like, "Funnily enough, we have had interest this week." I was like, "Stop! We want it. We want it." To be honest, I think I might have sent you like a a too early demo, um, and it wasn't it wasn't kind of ready, and you heard it and weren't feeling it, and then I think I had a much more built-out like acoustic. Right, but you yeah. heard at Joe's. I was just playing Joe like, man, check this track out. It's amazing. And you're like, fucking yeah. What is this? It's the one you just. The one you said no to. We
3: all
0: made mistakes. Um,
1: but we got it back. Do you know? What? It's it's funny when I hear that song. I think it's like what you were saying earlier, how people put their own interpretation on Which it. Which also is a
0: sign of a good song, I think. Like a good song, it's not a bad thing to have a deliberate bit of vagueness. And I think if a song is too specific and it's like, you know, I was walking down the street in Brooklyn and then I got a bagel or whatever. Well, if you're, you know, obviously you can so tell... Let why me begin on <laughs> an older <laughs> on. You, can tell why, you can tell why I don't wear lyrics. But, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you don't fit into that exact scenario, the song is probably... Turn favorite. your phone on Sorry. silent. Um, Yeah, if you don't fit into that exact scenario The song may not be that relatable Whereas when people can kind of fit their own meanings into the song People don't really care whether that meaning is accurate or not Because you can just have your own kind of um, version of it Yeah, so for
1: me, it was It almost became like a sort of breakup song When you were working on it and I was hearing the final versions I was going through like sort of tough relationship time And it was a song to me that was about You really want to try and be better and try and be stronger for someone to stay with them but maybe you can't so i saw it in a totally different way right is... yeah i know
0: I, I can see that as well
1: but I, to, to be honest i've said this about so many but one of my favorites i think the the lyrics the voice i think the way that you've produced it almost how would you describe it almost yeah well this was the fastest chill.
0: yeah well the thing was the vocal was 144 bpm i think who's so... afraid of
1: 144
0: yeah me new, new uh... label <laughs> me <laughs> It's actually really fun. You know, I'm I'm not afraid of 144. I'm not afraid of 138. It's too fucking fast most of the time. But now the thing is, like 144. Obviously, you make a track of that speed. I can't play it in my sets because the fast I generally go is like 138, 139, and I didn't want to kind of. you make a one through eight track, because there's not really anything else just one through eight on the album, and I didn't want it to like stick out. So instead I produced it at 14,4 that's the BPM, but I did it as like a chill out half speed. And um, we're getting remixes which are like one, through eight, 140, BPM. but it was produced in like two days, really natural, really quick to do, and worked out. OK, I think. Let's hear it. I could be stronger, but only for you. I
2: know I had an attitude, was trying to be better for you. It kept my head above the water from drowning in a river of blues. I'm burning out on empathy and finding it hard to believe. That everything I try to do, I'm always running back to you. I could be better, I could be stronger But only for you Sooner or later I will be someone But only for you
3: She she's does it
1: Absolutely amazing. Love that one. I was having my own personal rave in the studio here. Um, okay, Chris Hopkirk. Can you tell us a bit about the songwriting process? Does the song come first and then you produce or does the production come first and then singers right over the top?
0: It can really go either way. I mean, it just depends on um, the song. I mean, you know, Far From Home began as an instrumental and then we wrote the vocal to go on top of it um others um and i think for most of this album they usually were this way um it started with the vocal and then i wrote the music to go around it so um cloudline for instance i'm just saying because we haven't played cloudline <laughs> um that was nicely done. <laughs> <yeah>, um, <clears throat> such, such a pro um yeah cloudline was was done that way um that was actually kind of a cool vocal because i'd been introduced to the band by a friend of ours called um lindsey albers so lynn if you're listening shout out to you um she had introduced me to joseph they had amazing voices the band's called joseph but it's actually three um three women um i think they're sisters as well really yeah really? and they were doing all these like super cool harmonies and stuff and i heard the song Cloudline immediately wanted it for the album and didn't quite know how I could produce it, because it wasn't really fitting in like the usual like, trance template. And then towards the back end of last year, I was doing the Electric for Life tour, which was doing like all night sets where I was playing like six hours, seven hours, eight hours in all these different cities. And that kind of gave me a chance to play this amazing progressive and deep house that I didn't normally get a chance to play. And I was like, shit, I really want to make some music of my own that fits in that. Style of style of set. So like I was getting to play like two hours, and there'd be none of my own tracks in there because all my stuff is big and uplifting and happy. I was like, "Fuck! I need some of my own music to play in this in this bit of the set." So um, I basically produced Cloudline a little bit, in, a little bit influenced by like Solomon and Hot In 82 and, and and those sort of guys. Obviously, like my own style, but that's where the kind of stylistic influence came from. Um, basically, not, for not those...
1: Mozart this time. So
0: no, it's <laughs> better, it's better than Mozart. <laughs> 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 no, I'm just joking, joking. Cloudline. <laughs> Cloudline.
1: absolutely amazing, love that track. Funnily enough, that's kind of a favorite um, in the team, isn't it? I know that Kat, your wife, it's her favorite song. Adam Flexer, who's been around for many years on the team, it's his favorite song. It seems to be maybe the kind of like
0: older, more mature. I think it's because most of the people that work on our team like slightly cooler music than I make so like I like the cheese Ro- I love the like, cheese you like the cheese Roxanne's all about the super melodic stuff but most of the other guys you know they're into the deeper stuff so when I make something a little bit on the deeper side everyone's like oh my god it's not emotional arpeggiated trance fantastic like, I can totally dig this we well, can
1: play this without being ashamed okay. li- I think everyone
0: likes that stuff as well yeah. but um, when you do something that's different people are generally into it uh,
1: Clifford Richmond I want to dance to Soldier Can so... I say it
0: Oh, great name! Like you could totally be like a famous DJ called Clifford Richmond. Like, that, like
1: that Are is you an, a, thinking? Hold on, hold on. You're thinking of Cliff Richard,
0: right? <laughs> this is this is his son, Clifford Richmond. I forget. I mean, for, for anybody outside the UK, you'll never have heard of Cliff Richard. a legend. Mistletoe and wine. if you're going to Google him, don't eat shit. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Okay. So, Clifford DJ Clifford Richmond. Um, I'm getting married and i want to dance to soldier for my first dance is there any way you could send me an acoustic version
0: i mean you performed soldier acoustically at a wedding
1: no no they wanted the edm kelsey and brian i sang the beats out version right okay um could you just like i don't know if it's this easy
0: but turn off the drums and like send it i'm sorry i don't understand like backtrack what, what do they want Right, so two, if I don't understand and I'm standing here, right. there's no way anybody the listening understands. So right. explain the request right. in normal language. Clifford Richmond. Yeah, I've got, I've is, got that.
1: He's <laughs> getting married yeah. to a woman, I think. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. Um, I've still done that who he's getting married <laughs> to,
0: but. Yeah.
1: He would like as his first dance, which is the point where the, the bride and groom would normally dance together. Yeah. Um, I think we had
0: Derude Sandstorm for hours.
1: You did do rude Sandstorm, you fucking nutters. Wasn't the and you, the and you walked down, Cat walked down the aisle to Final Countdown. Yeah. <laughs> she absolutely really did. Uh, yeah, that's
3: brilliant.
1: true. <laughs> um, we would like to dance to Soldier. Do you possibly have an acoustic version they could use? So what I'm asking is... Can you
0: just open up the file, turn off the drums, and then we send it to him? It won't sound right, because the drums, because the bass line and the synths take up so much of the space. So if I turn off the drums and the electric elements, it's going to sound very thin. If you like, I'll send over the vocal, and all you have to do is find somebody that can play guitar, and, like, you press play on the vocal. Or alternatively, email Roxanne, and maybe she'll come and do a few in the flesh. Or maybe not. Cheers, (laughs) Gaz.
1: Yeah, Clifford, email me. Um, actually email Catbacks, because she's on email a lot more than me that's kb at lakenation.com, and either I will come and sing it for you in the flesh or I'll record another version for you thanks a lot guys. there
0: you go, Roxanne is committed <laughs> um, you, a promise has been made Clifford it, it will be done
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> next question Tamara Stampone I hope I pronounced that right what motivates you to do this job every single day of your life
0: Wow. that That's a big question. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not motivated every single day. I'm motivated most days because I am generally a pretty motivated person. Um, but, you know, just before I get into what motivates me, there's many days I'm not motivated. Like, I just... I can't be fucked. And i I think it's important to say that because it's kind of easy for people who are trying to make it in this world to assume that all of us guys who seem to be doing well are like on fucking fire every day. And we're always up at 7am and we're always writing and shit. And that's like, just really not the case. Um, However, I'm most of the time and most days I am quite good at my job. Otherwise I probably wouldn't be here. Um, And it's many, many things. I mean, it's very rarely financial and, Again, that's a surprise. I think most people will think, yeah, you want to make money and stuff. Honestly, that's not a big thing for me. Once you've gone past the point of being comfortable and once you have freedom to kind of go where you want and stuff, and, you you know, money really means very little. There's very little happiness to be gained after that point. Um, You know, accumulating more shit doesn't really make you any happier. So... For me, it's trying to impact people's lives and, and trying to make music that people can relate to. And every time somebody says to me, know yeah, you made a song that put a smile on my face, or put a tear on my eye, or and changed my life during like like a sad time," those are the reasons why I do it.
1: I think a really good time to shout out. I think the hundred reasons to live. Obviously, the stories on your Facebook, guys, please do check it out. But it's really connected with a lot of fans, and honestly, a lot of people have message me and i've seen on your social media people saying you know this album has and actually using the words saved my life um i've seen that quite a lot and i think sometimes you know you might not realize quite how impactful no music. i think i often, a, often
0: don't because like yeah. can be
1: like literally someone struggling with i don't know anxiety or depression or you know, gone through a loss or something in their life and it can be a song or you know or a person a dj um whatever any genre that you connect to and you you listen to late at night or it makes you want to go out or it just makes you feel something you know Um,
0: so I think yeah I think think it's probably the biggest thing like wanting to like impact other people and I guess the only other thing is legacy right I I kind of want to look back at the end of my life whenever that is and say that I did as good a job as I could and I think music is probably the one thing i've got that i'm decent at like i was always shit at sports like you know i was never gonna like excel in that many fields but i want to be able to look back and go yeah i i was good at music and i worked fucking hard and i think i'd be pissed off if i looked back and and thought yeah i had talent but i like, didn't really put the work in or whatever so it's leaving that legacy and i'm um, trying to change people for the better
1: very much on a kind of similar um, vibe here as Siddantha, again sorry I hope I've pronounced it right obviously you've mentioned the hundred reasons that you were very much inspired by and that were all very positive has there been any negative motivations in your life
0: not that were generally successful I mean I've had lots of negative feelings because it's part of the human condition and you know just just for instance you know say I want to play a music festival and I say to my agent, yo, that looks a fucking awesome festival, like I wanna play it. And this has happened by the way, so this isn't like a uh, hypothetical story, this is real. And then the agent, my agent comes back and goes, yeah, you know, the promoter like, doesn't really feel you, he's like, he's like, not, not really into what you're doing, he just doesn't, doesn't think you're really gonna work there. And this will be like a city where I'll literally have hundreds of people going, please come and play this festival, it'd be amazing to have you there, and I know I'll be able to go and play and do a good job, but one person, basically says he thinks I suck, so I don't get to play. And the music business is full of gatekeepers. Oh, absolutely. There's a lot of people who who are in, in the position to, in these positions of power. So at that time, of course I thought, well, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to work my fucking ass off to make the best music possible and to have as positive impact as I can to build this massive fucking fan base so you will have no choice but to book me, you fucking asshole. And then you'd wish you'd believed in me. And then when I come and play your club, I'll go, there you fucking go. I was right. You should have booked me five years ago. Um... However, that's not generally a very positive. Firstly, like there's too much anger there, so it doesn't usually lead to good music. And secondly, here's the fucking weird thing I've had so many occasions in my life where somebody's not believed in me, and then I prove them wrong. And they did. And when they do believe in you, you never actually go, "Fuck you, you were wrong five years ago." Do you work because on yeah, you, you fucking, yeah, exactly. You've, you've won, right? You've done the you know You've won. You've continued to like do well at your art, and you've turned things around. And like they are booking you now. So like you know, don't take it fucking personally. If somebody doesn't believe in me and doesn't like what I do, it's not a personal insult against me. It's not a slur against me as a person. They just don't see what other people are, are seeing. And I'm not so arrogant as to think everyone should think I'm fucking credible without reason to I have to give them a reason to like what I do so um yes there have been negative motivations but generally they're a lot less effective um in driving you forward than the positive ones I think that is also
1: a super important message um, to kind of aspiring DJs or actually you know big DJs and just one thing from my side, kind of working with the smaller guys on management at Late Nation, one of the things that is a driver is, well, that guy got this, like, I'm going to get it. Or they've, they've got my slot, fuck him. Or reading social media and, and reading the negative comments and taking it to heart. The one bit of advice I would give, stay off social media. Don't, don't read the negative bullshit. Focus on what you do, which hopefully is making great music. And the rest will follow. I think it's amazing how we can get sucked into this trap of kind of looking at like numbers and hype and what are we getting booked for and what's he got over there and grass is greener. When oh. the focus should be making great music. And yeah, the, the people rest
0: will follow. get crazy about social media. Like like you say, it's about how many numbers, how many retweets somebody else is getting. And the crazy thing is this. I know guys that are literally on like fucking Twitter 12 hours a day and they're lucky if they're in the studio... Twelve hours a week, and then they get pissed off because other people are getting gigs ahead of them. Um, and I'm kind of thinking, if you took those twelve hours a day you spend on social media and put that time into the studio, you'd be a, you know you'd be getting the gig ahead of that guy because your music would be better. And it's easy today for people to prioritize the like numbers and the fucking retweets and stuff ahead of just making great music a lot of people and you know one that's been talked about a lot recently because he's just announced his retirement from DJing Avicii yeah fucking like always was crap as social media but amazing at music like he went weeks on end never tweeted like didn't do any of the things you should do in terms of social media very rarely replied to people why? because he was busy making amazing fucking music and that's what put him at the top of every festival lineup and every fucking chart in the world so you know love him or him that's a guy that put music first and it worked out well
1: get off social media
0: get in the studio i mean <laughs> i also know like there is a bit of a hustle and i kind of speak from a position of privilege because i have people like like you right who do my social not not do always do it for me but i know i can go on like a three-day studio binge and not emerge from the studio for three days And, we'll get the links out and, and you and... got yeah, yeah you guys will be on twitter there's a new record that comes out you guys will post about it like roxanne in particular and um, Sergei, a guy that works for us, who is Sergei, you an legend. Ab- absolute animal at running all of my socials. Like, if there's something I need to know about, he'll tell me. You guys will post stuff. So I'm kind of lucky. Like, when you're a new artist, you're doing it all yourself. Like, you kind of need to be out there. But don't let it dominate your life. Do an hour on the socials, then put the phone oh, on an airplane, and then go the and studio. do eight hours in the studio. Not the other way around, because I'll tell you now nobody comes to a show because you post the best fucking memes <laughs> and, no, and nobody, comes to the sh- nobody comes to a show because f- you post like the funniest fucking shit on Twitter people come to your shows because of your music
1: so true <laughs> that is a bit of Gareth Henry gold Dust right there um, okay gold Dust. that is making me think about Ben Gold Gold Rush do we have to? Yeah, we have to! <laughs> I'm joking, I love Ben. Um, I love Ben. Of course we love Ben. Do you know what? Just a really interesting question. It didn't actually come up when I did the shout-out for this episode, but it did come up earlier in the week um, when Gareth did kind of like a Facebook Live uh, preview of all the tracks on the album with a bit of a QA and somebody said basically, Were you pissed off when Ben Gold left Garuda? And it, you know, just to bring that question up again and obviously lead us into the collab. Uh, I thought your answer was brilliant then. So yeah, I'd just love love to rehear that for these guys.
0: Yeah, it's probably a question that somebody didn't expect to get answered, um, but it did because Um, I wasn't pissed off. I mean, yeah, of course. Obviously, when he first left, I was sad because he's an amazing artist, and I loved having him as part of Garuda. But the thing is, we always did on Garuda was, we never wanted to put a glass ceiling above people. Um, We never signed more than a one-track deal. So, for instance, most labels will lock in guys, they'll sign them for years or like 10 releases. On Garuda, I never wanted to do that because I'd been in shitty deals myself and I was like, look, if somebody doesn't want to be with Garuda anymore, we want to let them go. If we're not doing an exceptional job as a label, they want to stick around, or, as was the case with Ben, they get big enough they can go and do their own thing, we're not going to fucking stop them. Like, let them go and fucking do it. Like, fair play to them. So, you know, when Ben first joined, joined Garuda. Um, It was like super early in his career, didn't have many gigs, hadn't really started to do much work on the DJing side, didn't quite know where he was musically. And we had an amazing, I think like four or five years together, you know, from his first track Sapphire, I kind of, you know, A&R stuff, acted as like a bit of a mentor, gave him career advice as well, watched him grow into a serious headline artist in his own right who knew exactly what his sound was. And um, when he reached that point where he was ready to take that jump and go and start his own label, I was fucking happy for him. I was glad that we'd been a part of of that process, and um, that's that's really all it is. And it's, it's the same with anybody on the label. Like we'll be there for them as long as they want us to. But if somebody reaches the point where they can go and, you know even potentially become bigger than us, fucking good for them. Like, I'm not here to stop anybody else's success. So, um, you know, Ben's also a good friend of mine, like super fun guy, very down to earth, very humble. So um, yeah, there's your answer. I've
1: got a message from Ben Gold here. Um, it was just in answer to what you said, very similar to that on your Facebook mentions. Um, thanks, Gaz. It was an absolute pleasure to be part of Garuda. Made some amazing memories from making some of my best music, touring the world, playing some amazing parties with you. Always grateful f- for your support and guidance. Best of luck with the album. It sounds fucking ama- amazing. P.S. I want a remix, Save Me. <laughs> ben Gold, are be we getting an email from me this week? The
0: Save Me remixes are stacking up a little bit.
1: They are. So Ben, we might give you something else, but you're definitely going to get one. So I'm just going to put that in my notes. If it doesn't go in
0: notes, I will forget. Sorry, guys. Oh, Gaz, play the Ben Gold track now. Okay, so me um, featuring Ben Gold, until we meet again.
1: So that was the track with Mr. Goldrush himself, Ben Gold, who is definitely going to do a remix on the album as it's now in my notes. Um, Okay, next question from Crystal Colick. Oh, brilliant. What is the best and worst Heart about working together as brother and sister. <laughs> let's do um, best. Let's do, no, let's, do, nah, I mean, let's do worse. There's not
0: much worse because if there was, we wouldn't work together. I oh, yeah. mean, there's not a lot of negative. So to kind of give one negative and one positive, it makes it sound like 50% of each, which is really not the case. It's yeah. kind of more like 1 and 99. I think the, the only worst part is that you know how to push each other's buttons in an argument. Yeah. Like, you know, if, on the rare occasion that we argue, and we don't much anymore, but like when we were young, we were used to all the time. Now it doesn't happen very often. But when we do get in an argument, you know the exact things. And I know those of you with brothers and sisters of a similar age will we'll know what I'm saying here. You know the exact thing to say to piss them off.
1: Oh, yeah. To the and- absolute, to, to take the blood pressure from like zero to hero in an instant. We can both do it to each other. And, you know, to be honest, I would say the exact same thing. That's the worst thing. Um, and a lot of people ask me, like at Armada and people I meet in general, like, oh, how, how do you work together? It must be so hard. People that have known me and Gaz for a long time, we did always have, like, a fiery relationship. We're both very strong characters. Mm-hmm. But when I kind of came on to the management team, I think, oh, coming up to two years ago, um, we just set some rules, which was, look, if we start to get annoyed, we'll give it 24 hours and speak tomorrow. And we honestly, like, probably once every six months have a disagreement, but it's actually...
0: It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not very often. And yeah, the reason why Rox came onto the management team, it wasn't like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about being a management? Rox was kind of a de facto manager, even though she wasn't. So I'd had various management teams for like the past like five or six years, but all the good stuff that happened would usually come from rocks. So my first ever big hit, Sanctuary, um, Rox found um, the songwriter that, that worked on me with that. Um, Concrete Angel was AR' by Rox, you was NR'd by Rocks. Um, Can I backdate my commission to cover (laughs) these years? Because I'm just realising, yeah. And, Um, you you know, at this point, I often had other management teams who I was paying, like, loads of money to. And I was kind of going, like, fuck, like, all the, the real kind of, like you know, massive things that are happening usually started with rocks in some way. So it was like, I think it was two, And but there was a point where we were still, we'd still argue too much yeah. for it to work. And I think it was probably two years ago when we were like, we've probably got to a point in our lives where we're both like old enough and mature enough that we're not gonna like be dicks and fall out all the time. So that was when we were like, okay, let's, let's try and do this properly.
1: For me, then moving on to the positive side, what's the best thing? Um, I would say, honestly, that working with Gaz the last two years, Especially actually the last six months have been really life changing. The way that he lives his life, he's the hardest working person I've ever met. And that just by, by nature of being around someone so hard working, you work harder. That you know the best inspiration you can give to someone is to do it yourself. So I have just witnessed him, you know, working seven days a week whilst he has a new kid, whilst he's married, and I'm thinking, fuck, I'm hungover from the night before and I'm not online. And actually it's encouraged me to change my life. He helped me very much in September when I needed to take a month off drinking sent me an app to kind of help doing that. Um, also kind of sent me a load of podcasts, like the MFCEO, Gary Vee, all this inspirational stuff. If you're not listening, go and do it. And yeah, just he's been absolutely inspirational and probably at the age of 31, I'm like the happiest and most confident I've been. And that's because of the opportunity and the kind of guidance of Gaz. So yeah, that's the best thing. That's, that's amazing to me. You'll hear that once
0: and once <laughs> only. So I'm glad it's recorded. I'm also like... It's kind of interesting when you said I was working like seven days a week, which I kind of do, but I'm also very much about working smart rather than working hard. And honestly, the last two years, I've worked less hours than I ever have in my life, and I've probably done twice as much. So, you know, Drive took four years, 100 Reasons to Live took two, and I became a new dad, like like halfway through. And like, you know, I, just for you, for you guys, listen, I don't work past 5:30 p.m. when I'm at home. There's two days a week when I'm at home that it I'm always with Sansa. So, you know, I used to be like you know 18 19 hours a day always in front of the laptop and then I kind of realized if you're effective and you really just do the things you need to do, you can do more shit in less time. So, um that's also been something I've tried to like preach to everybody like Roxanne and the team around us and say, listen, you don't need to fucking kill yourself. You don't need to do like eighteen or nineteen hour days. Yes, sometimes you do. I mean, you know, 10.30 at night on a Sunday night recording this. You bastard. Yeah, we do do work hard, but also you've got to have time to have a life and you've got to have time to enjoy it and you've got to kind of like take care of yourself because otherwise you burn out.
1: Yeah, so what's the best thing about working with me? Um,
0: I've done mine. You've yeah. got a
1: positive discard, <laughs> no no, Don't think no, so there's, much. no, there's
0: there's millions. I mean I mean like like Rox is definitely like the creative genius on the team. Rox comes that. up with crazy stuff that nobody else would ever come up with. A lot of C V N T five um, kind of came came from her. The hand um, signal I, was mine. The hand I'm signal in that you. video was her. The, the pissing in the face was was, was, was her idea. Um, am, amazingly, um, plus obviously all of the career changing tracks I've just mentioned. Um, but it's also amazing. Um, so Rox has her own management company, Leg Nation, who manage as well as me. Um, Christina Novelli um, Alex Sonata Luke Bond and um, Lanars L- L- Carl Nunes. Uh,
1: now <clears throat> actually recently Ashley Warbridge as well is, is coming and joining the family so really he is think yeah. think, wow it happened the, this weekend that's so. new news to me that's, congrats that's amazing news thank you very much um, yeah just on that point actually perfect time to mention Gareth spoke about Alex Sonata um, he is someone that pr- probably did my favourite remix from, from Drive with Beautiful Rage the great remix just uh, took the song from something that I loved that was very progressive, almost a kind of a bit of an underplay on the album and made it this absolute anthem. Like, the, the musicality of it was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, Gaz invited him back onto this album to... Uh, collaborate and I think it's an amazing track loads of people commented on this oh thank fuck we know what it is I think it was it's... in
0: my set for so long <laughs> yeah people but have been we been desperately
1: we... trying to find it we
0: did go and make a new version for the album because the old one had been around for about two and a half three years but um, it, it was the bonus track but I, I love this one
1: So let's hear it, and guys, check out Alex Sonata. He is not on Instagram, which I tell him off for daily. However, after what you've just said- I
0: think he is, I'm sure I saw him make his first post the other day.
1: Oh, maybe he's listened to me, but after what you've just said, (laughs) I would way rather he's in the studio getting a collaboration with you than posting memes. So Alex, well done, you were right on this one. Uh, Let's hear it, Cruiser. Cruiser. absolutely amazing the bonus track of the album Obviously, guys, you know it is available everywhere: um, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer. The list goes on. Pretty much, whatever you want to consume it, it's there. Lots and lots of questions about where you can get signed copies. You can get the physical copies from ArmadaShop.com. Signed copies—I don't know if we're selling online
0: yet, guys. I thought they were on the ArmadaShop.com, but I might be wrong. I've been telling everyone on Snapchat oh, right. who are asking for signed copies okay, after, yeah. to go to ArmadaShop.com. So <laughs> hopefully, they are. and there's, there's the been problem- mi- and there's been millions of people well, well, so if they're not signed I fucked up
1: well have you signed copies
0: yeah I signed like 200 last week and sent them to Amara I didn't send them like Nathan <laughs> like Na- you need to send them Nathan my very hardworking okay, personal assistant no, brought no them around and Nate. I signed them and he took them away um
1: <laughs> okay last couple of questions answer this one quickly Mike Lawrence which track was easiest to produce which track was hardest and why easiest
0: um I could be stronger it just came right at the end of the production process, so I'd I'd kind of already written twelve or thirteen tracks. All my presets were there. I'd had loads of good audio samples and stuff that had come earlier in the process, and um, I just hit a flow. It was just like, it was literally just like two days, bang, 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 and it was done. Sometimes you just hit this kind of hot streak of creativity, and a track is just blasted out. Probably two five-hour sessions, and it was and it was done. Hardest just looking over the list. Your two difficult ones. I mean, Make It Happen was difficult only because I was trying to recapture the magic of a five-year-old demo. And sometimes when you've had a demo for a long time, it's really fucking difficult to produce it properly. demo I demo because you're yeah, so absolutely. used to hearing the demo and even any imperfections in it, you kind of like. So that was hard because I was trying to, like, recreate a demo I was very familiar with. Uh, definitely the hardest was Lost, though, just because um, Janet's verse vocal was the most beautiful vocal but also so delicate any kind of regular bass line I put it under didn't work track very nearly got um, you know lost because of it <laughs> lost and, in a fire. Um, eventually I got it right but you know the there's so many tracks on here that were a struggle. Like Save Me had, you know, numerous different versions. Far From Home, numerous different versions. Reck- uh, we Were Young, loads of different versions. I'm just accustomed to writing, um, you know, four or five different versions of a track to find out the best one because, yeah, you, you only get to release a track once. So um, I think it's pretty important that you, you make it the best version of itself.
1: Sorry, I'm just opening one of the... I've got some of the physicals here.
0: Why why are you opening one?
1: Just so I can read some of the thank yous that are in there. Oh, right, okay. It'd be just quite nice to mention them. Um, One last question on my list that's coming from Sarah Payne. I guess we can both answer this. Um, What is one thing about the album that nobody
0: yet knows? That is a good question. What, what, What could it have been called? Was it always called 100 Reasons to Live? Does it have like another? Have you work- got your
1: Have you got your notebook?
0: No, I don't. I, I did have a big list of working titles.
1: Oh my god, twenty fifth hour was definitely up hour. there. Remember that? Yeah, that was
0: that was that was a potential title. Which yeah. was about
1: like when you just find the other place and you work super hard. Definitely glad we put in. It's
0: pretty, it's pretty shit that. Isn't <laughs> pretty <it>?
1: fucking <laughs> shite. Sorry <laughs> to anyone that's listening that's about to name their debut album twenty fifth hour. My advice would be don't. Um, <laughs> yeah from me probably you know you wouldn't mention this if you buy the physical copy you'll see it's it's dedicated to our mum um linda angela teresa emery it spells late it's also what my company is named after first time you've actually done that on a record so i think super special yes the the right one so
0: yeah I, i don't think it was the right record before i felt this one was
1: um yeah, so just a few shout outs at the end. This is in the physical copy, but obviously not all of you guys are gonna get it. Are we are we ending
0: the interview segment here, by the way? Well you're gonna get well, go no, and leave me to read the thank you. Is this the point where like we tell everybody else to switch off while we, we read things? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I mean they should listen. Okay, so like, you <laughs> know
0: the things with these albums is like there's so many people that work on it that don't generally get credit, and you know, all the credit Tends to it goes it goes to the most part to me, and then bits and pieces to like Armada and Garuda and stuff. Where really, like a lot of the people that work their bollocks off um, on this are kind of hidden. So I, I, let, let, let's thank some of them.
1: Um, okay, yes. Yeah, so just reading from the album credits: Cat um, Sansa. Ken and Anita Emery, Matt or Arlene and Kevin O'Flanagan, Jenny, Andy, Dylan, River, Halle Green, Holly the Dog. Of course, you know her from Instagram. The rest of Gaz's friends and family who've supported him before he had any success and would support him
0: even if he had none. Very true. Is it? <laughs> I, you don't I think out. I've got rid of most of the hangers-on over <laughs> the years.
1: I think, I think you have. The Relentless team that worked longer and harder on this release than anyone else. Adam Flexer, Andrew Griffiths, Crave Connolly, Geordie Borman, Joseph Lawrence, Lisa Wagner, Nathan Fisher, Sergey. Zarovny Sergei I'm so sorry if I've got that
0: wrong please <laughs> sorry, please, please, only, please the, only the hardest working person <laughs> on your team and you can't even say his don't, name don't,
1: don't go it's a hard name he's Russian <laughs> Sophie Baker and um, particularly a shout out 20 uh, 2 W E N T Y please look it up on Instagram the guy that took the art the front cover and everything in the physical he's a, he's an
0: amazing photographer and
1: one thing i have to say i'm so passionate about this the front cover is not photoshop he went out in the middle of the night with like this long lens camera yeah this, this is this is something that nobody's going to know yeah and he, he set up he, these basically light boxes. He made the words, 100 Reasons to Live, a metre high and basically had this open lens and filmed it all night. So there is no Photoshop. It's real. He's insanely talented. Loads more of his work. Do you know We should sell prints or something of this or, yeah, he, or, or he's auction on, something. He's insane. He's on
0: Instagram Two W-W-E-N-T-Y, like them 20. Check out.
1: Um, Alexander Greenberg, Ashley Warbridge, Bjorn Nicholas, Bobby Runway, Dan Peters at Assured, um, Gez Jones, Catbacks to the Late Nation, I couldn't function without her, um, Larry Lerner, Leonard Bader Dance Foundation, he made the micro site, which absolutely amazing. Previews on there. Also, a recapture of all of the 100 Reasons to Live. So, if you want to see all of the 100 Reasons, go there. Mike Jones, our designer, Ryan King, uh, Joel Zimmerman, Mike mike oh god another one tahan
0: Tadjian, I think.
1: Tadjian, oh bloody hell um william morris um, scott Sartin, Saul schaefer tom fawn and yano um obviously all the amazing featured artists and songwriters you can if you've got the physical album um look through there's a whole page where you can see all
0: the songwriters. i've got to give a quick out quick shout out to tom fall who did the most amazing job uh, he mastered ma- it he mastered most yeah, where's there was
3: his the, thanks he has his own thanks a little bit he's down. got his own thanks
0: there was yeah I mean if, if you're a producer and you need to get something mastered Tom Fall did such an insane job on this album I think there's maybe two tracks that are done by um, Luca uh, uh, pratelessi in Las Vegas who's also super talented but um, yeah Tom just blew this one out of the fucking um, Tom water Tom Fall
1: Music Studios any producers out there um, special thanks to Michael Perron, who is the main man behind Armada Music and the team there, it's been amazing. And obviously Gaz, I guess the last thank you from you... Is to you?
0: Well, I was going to say fans, but... I, I oh, right, <laughs> I mean,
1: oh, thank me, you to me, you yeah. You gave me a
0: look that kind of said you were expecting thanks. <laughs> Um, I'm expecting no, beer no, so, and more pizza yeah, yeah. so I'm going to wrap this one up um, Guy thank you so much um, to be honest if you have made it to the end of this episode thank you because it, it probably tweet us
1: let, let us know if I imagine there's only two of you but if you're still here the exclusive club of the Gareth Henry off the record you
0: now know everything about 100 reasons to live probably a lot more than you ever wanted to know <laughs> but,
1: um... and if you actually were in the gym and listened to this well done I hope the
0: workout went well Exactly. Oh, final shout out! I don't think we've done it. Um, to Mark, um, Mark Bradbury from yeah! Uh, yeah. Mark. Come say we're, hi. We're, Hello. So, Mark, this is the, the studio we're recording this in. Is uh, Make Me a DJ? It's kind of a DJ and production school here in Manchester. It's actually on the same street as uh, my Manchester apartment is. It's right next to where we recorded Northern Lights. Um, so this area is very, very close to my heart. Sankey's is literally just around the corner. So uh, Mark's got this brand new um, DJ school, kind of production school, amazing uh, custom-built facility. And um, I sent Mark a text about 6 o'clock today and said, yo, any chance we can come and record a podcast in your room? And um, amazingly, he said yes. So uh, Mark, thank you very much. Um, Mark also
1: was the place where Christina came to a couple of years ago, basically before she was going on tour to really kind of lock down the DJ skills. So anyone looking to... Um yeah practice their DJing or get better or Which do anything like announced. that it's my turn next yeah maybe we don't, we
0: don't need more DJs enough DJs in the world yeah that's true that's true uh, but Mark what's your um, just
1: come and say what's your
0: website say it into the
2: thing yeah, so the www.makemeadj.com wanna... and you can check us out on Instagram Twitter and Facebook
0: if, if you're in Manchester or the surrounding area they fucking rock go and check them out um, guys thank you so much for Ooh. listening to this I um, know well, it's a very different episode to <laughs> the normal electric for life um, let us know whether it fucking sucked or whether you liked it we've had a lot of fun making it which is um, yeah. I suppose um, like it will validate it in in some way even if you all hated it <laughs> um next week however we are back to our normal efl programming so um i will catch you then same time same place any last words see
3: you later motherfuckers <laughs> I'm okay take care see ya <laughs>